This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Musculoskeletal pain is quite common as we age. At this point, our treatment options have been quite limited. Many of our patients use non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications, but they have multiple, potentially serious, adverse effects. Steroid injections are often helpful, but usually only give temporary benefit. With us to discuss some more recent advances in the treatment of musculoskeletal pain is Dr. Jacob Sellen, a physician and fellowship program director for the sports medicine program at Mayo Clinic Rochester. Jake, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much, Daryl. I'm excited to talk about an issue that seems to be creating a lot of confusion out there in, among patients and physicians. I am too. I am getting a lot of patients asking about these uh, areas, uh, platelet-rich plasma injections, and then we'll also cover some stem cell therapy. So let's start with PRP injections. What's the proposed mechanism of platelet-rich plasma injections? Well, that's a great question, Daryl. It's, it's actually something that we are starting to understand better, but uh, there's still um, more work to be done. Currently, the thought is that these are providing a prolonged anti-inflammatory effect in the joint. And so, you know, a lot of us, as we come through training, think of osteoarthritis as a degenerative condition, which it is, but there is also a component of inflammation, and that contributes to the cartilage breakdown, the primary um, issue in arthritis. And so, so we're understanding that the platelets secrete chemokines and uh, growth factors that can help counteract that inflammatory reaction. How is the plasma made, and what's, what's actually contained in the plasma? Well, this is uh, one of the first areas that, uh, that um, there's still a lot of confusion out there among even practitioners within this field, uh, is even just coming up with a definition for PRP. So generally, uh, PRP can be considered plasma that is, uh, has a greater uh, concentration of platelets than your whole blood. And so we typically make it out of uh, the patient's own whole blood, and we use a centrifuge to separate out the parts that we think are probably not helpful. So for example, the red blood cells, we know uh, from hemophiliac patients that uh, red blood cells can potentially uh, be destructive in a joint. So we would try to minimize those. White blood cells are a controversial area. Uh, as you know, there are multiple types of white blood cells, and there's some thought that uh, neutrophils may not be um, something that we want to have a lot of in these injections. So here in our program, we try to minimize those. But right now, the literature has kind of the full spectrum of different, uh, different types of PRP, so to speak. There are also other things besides the cellular components, different uh, growth factors and chemokines, like I mentioned, that... Uh, may potentially be having some uh, beneficial role. Is anything added to the plasma? So there are some uh, people that will add an activating agent like calcium chloride or thrombin to uh, cause the platelets to secrete their growth factors. But we know that platelets automatically will do that on contact with injured tissue. And so uh, that's also an area of controversy out there. But right now, uh, probably most, at least the procedures we're doing here, we're not using an activator. Okay. 
what are these injections being used for? What kind of musculoskeletal problems do our patients have where they may receive a PRP injection? Sure. The two primary reasons we might use one of these injections would be for osteoarthritis, but also for tendinopathy. And as you know, these are two very difficult conditions where we have limited treatment options. Uh, and the, many of the options that we have uh, are simply palliative, especially for osteoarthritis. And so there's a, this great need for uh, uh, some type of treatment that can actually regenerate or heal the tissue. Um, so we often are using it in the case of arthritis, we are using it, uh, uh, we know that it can help with pain relief. At this point, it's unclear whether it's providing any sort of disease-modifying effect. In the case of tendinopathy, there is some data out there uh, as far as post-procedure imaging to show that we can uh, help regenerate the tendon to some degree afterwards and certainly help with uh, re resolve the patient's symptoms. Uh, some of the other areas that uh, have been are being looked at actively are muscle injury. There's a, a kind of mixed data out there right now for uh, muscles, ligaments. Uh, for example, you've probably heard of baseball pitchers having Tommy John surgery after uh, an ulnar collateral ligament injury. Uh, so we're using that for uh, partial tears mm -hmm. in that injury. So, you know, kind of across the spectrum of, of chronic musculoskeletal injury. Okay. So the million-dollar question, and you sort of alluded to this, is do these things work? And it sounds like from what you're describing, probably. Well, yes, and I'll qualify that. There's probably the best evidence right now uh, for using PRP is in osteoarthritis, and specifically for really symptoms improving pain, improving function. And uh, right now there are multiple randomized control trials showing that these injections can help with some osteoarthritis patients, specifically knee arthritis in most of the studies, but showing improvements in pain, improvements in function. Now, to, the, to date, we haven't seen any evidence that this is ultimately changing the progression of the disease. And certainly, um, we don't have any evidence that you know cartilage is being regrown to any significant degree. So, uh, in that regard, you know, <clears throat> this is regenerative medicine, sort of in the early stages. We're, we're still not there with a cure for arthritis, mm -hmm. but um, but it, it, as far as symptomatic relief, uh, patients can have fairly prolonged relief relative to other types of injections. So things like corticosteroid injections often just provide relief for a few months. Uh, hyaluronic acid, perhaps four to six months in many cases, whereas in PRP, we're often seeing pain relief upwards of a year, uh, sometimes even longer. So I think the advantages that we're seeing right now are that uh, it seems to last longer and, of, of course, um, uh, seems to be very safe. Mm -hmm. Is one injection usually adequate, or have you had patients that have had re multiple injections of this? Yeah, and that's you're kind of hitting on on all of the uh, the things that are being argued about at various regenerative medicine conferences. So uh, right now, there really is not any strong evidence for a single injection versus a series of injections. Most of the studies have used a series, and that probably started because they were compared directly to series of hyaluronate injections. Uh, so that kind of became the standard uh, in a lot of research studies was to do a series of, say, three injections over uh, a, a month or so. 
However, uh, there are some studies out there looking at one versus two, and they're kind of mixed results at this point. And so because a lot of these procedures are not covered by insurance, we often will start with one injection and, and kind of individualize the decision with regard to repeat injections based on the initial response. I imagine that since patients are receiving their own bodily fluids, other than maybe the introduction, the introduction of a possible infection, there really shouldn't be any significant risks to receiving this, is there? Yeah, it's as an autologous treatment, a treatment the patient is um, you know, getting from themselves, it, it's been sh- shown to be a very safe treatment. Uh, if you look at you know, the thousands of patients that are out there in the literature, as well as uh, you know, the ones in, in our practice and across the country, there really have not been any uh, significant side effects uh, shown other than it's not uncommon for people to have some increased pain and swelling initially after the injection, perhaps for a few days or a week. Uh, beyond that, if anything, there's probably a less of a chance of infection just because you do have, it's a blood product, there are white blood cells and things that uh, have some antimicrobial properties. Mm-hmm. I have heard that these injections are not approved by the FDA. Now, is that because Nobody has done the studies and submitted the data, or has the data been evaluated and felt to be ineffective? What, what's the status on FDA approval? Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm not going to guess why they're not FDA approved yet, but I I will tell you that um, they are FDA compliant. So the FDA is okay with uh, you know assuming that you're following certain protocols, they're okay with the use of autologous platelet-rich plasma as a treatment for musculoskeletal conditions. Uh, however, that's different from having an FDA approval, um, per se, like say hyaluronate in, uh, injections have for knee osteoarthritis. So they haven't reached that bar yet. I'm not, I'm not sure, um, you know, what it will take because there's frankly a, quite a bit of literature out there at this point. Uh, but, um, it probably has to do with the heterogeneity of the PRP product. It's, you know, this is not something like, a a drug that you you take off the shelf in a vial, and right mm-hmm. now I think that may be one of the hurdles to having FDA approval. You mentioned that these procedures are not covered by insurance, so patients are paying out of pocket for these. What's a ballpark figure for what one of these might cost? Yeah, so we are starting to see some insurance companies cover it, but in general, uh, they they typically are not covering PRP injections for either osteoarthritis uh, or tendinopathy. Typically, uh, the cost is going to be anywhere from, say, around $500 for an injection to upwards of a couple thousand dollars. Um, So, you know, that kind of depends on the part of the country that you're living in, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Network with colleagues at the beautiful Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida for the upcoming Sports Medicine for the Primary Care Clinician course on March 1st through the 3rd of 2019. Learn effective and cost-efficient evidence-based practices to address sports medicine injuries commonly seen in the primary care setting, including when to refer to a specialist and when to allow the patient to return to regular activities. For more information and to register, visit ce.mayo.edu. Join us weekly here at Mayo Clinic Talks as we discuss best practices and burning questions. 
Subscribe today using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. All right, so that's platelet-rich plasma injections. Let's now turn to stem cell therapy. What exactly is stem cell therapy? So stem cell, cell therapy is maybe even harder to, um, to categorize than, than PRP, uh, and that's simply because it, it can mean a, a lot of different things. So you can, there are stem cells located throughout the body and lots of different types of tissue. Probably the most common tissues that, uh, that are used currently are, would be bone marrow and adipose tissue. But uh, certainly placental tissues and other tissues in the body can contain stem cells. So then stem cell therapy is basically taking these cells or the tissues that contain these cells and using them uh, in some sort of treatment. The, um, the typical, as I mentioned, the typical treatments that uh, we are using contain are stem cells that are um, uh, from a bone marrow source. And that's probably where most of the literature is right now with regards to uh, studies showing benefit. Well, if you need a donor for adipose tissue cells, contact me. I'm uh, I'm a good candidate. So, you mentioned adipose tissue and bone marrow. So I assume that's where the stem cells originate from, from that individual patient. Correct. That's correct. So these, uh, in the case of bone marrow and adipose, these are autologous treatments. And uh, so, for a bone marrow uh, procedure, we're of course going to have to do a bone marrow aspiration. And we typically would do that uh, from the pelvis, from the around the posterior superior iliac spine, and uh, that's just a, a office-based procedure. Uh, uh, patients are typically awake for it using local anesthesia, and it's uh, it's a f- fairly easy procedure with a very very low complication rate. Uh, and then we would centrifuge the bone marrow to separate out some of the, uh, again, some of the parts that we, we don't want. Of course, there are a lot of similar components that there are in whole blood uh, as far as uh, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. But then you also have these populations of cells that some people are, consider stem cells. So if you put them uh, in a Petri dish and treat them in a certain way, they may have the ability to differentiate into chondrocytes and tenocytes and other types of musculoskeletal cells. What isn't as clear now is <clears throat> how, what happens uh, in a live person, especially if you're injecting it, say, into a joint. Uh, and so those are some of the things that are, that are being worked out right now. In the case of adipose, we're a little bit more restricted by the FDA as far as what we can do uh, with that. So to really uh, uh, harness just the cells, you need to chemically treat the adipose tissue, and that's considered more than minimal manipulation by the FDA right now. So that's something that uh, that is not allowed outside of a clinical trial. Uh, however, there is um, a method of mechanically treating the fat, basically uh, microfragmenting it. And so that's a newer treatment that we're looking at right now. Um, there's just some very few case series out there. Seems to be a safe treatment, but it's really not clear how that compares to the a bone marrow um, concentrate injection. Mm-hmm. I think the patient's perception of stem cell therapy is that these stem cells can develop into any type of cell, and the idea is that they would develop new cartilage in a joint that's uh, you know deficient in cartilage. Is there evidence that that actually happens? 
Yes, that's a complicated question, but I'll try to try to uh, uh, keep it succinct here. So there is evidence that using a stem cell treatment may potentially uh, regrow cartilage. But what we're talking about there are treatments where you're using purified stem cells. So say uh, you take, you harvest the cells from, say, a source like bone marrow adipose. You take them away to a lab. You culture them. You multiply them many, many times. So, you know, potentially talking about a dose of hundreds of millions of stem cells, and then you're injecting them at a later date. And again, that's something that outside of a clinical trial is not, uh, not allowed in the United States right now. And there are some studies uh, that uh, are sh- have shown potentially some increases. It's still not entirely clear that it, uh, it's a dramatic difference, but there are some studies showing that. Now, for the treatments that are currently available in the clinic, say like bone marrow aspirate concentrate, uh, we don't really have any compelling evidence right now that that's uh, making a a significant structural difference in the joint, Um, especially in a lot of the patients that we see who have very, very advanced arthritis. Mm -hmm. But these things uh, do have a very um, sophisticated way of secreting growth factors and cytokines, chemokines, like I mentioned with PRP. It, whereas PRP is simply a platelet that secretes these, these uh, stem cells in, say, uh, bone marrow concentrate, are able to react to their environment and respond in a, maybe a, a more sophisticated way. Mm-hmm. So that's currently the, the thought on how these things probably work. It's similar to PRP, probably an anti-inflammatory effect, uh, probably an effect of attracting stem cells that already live inside your joint and activating those, uh, potentially to have a protective effect on the chondrocytes there. So a lot of potential mechanisms being looked at, but it's probably not the pure um, uh, structural uh, regrowth of cartilage uh, um, theory that I think a lot of patients and and a lot of physicians are still thinking. Mm And is stem cell therapy used for pretty much the same conditions as PRP injections? Pretty much. We um, probably tend to focus a little bit more on osteoarthritis with uh, the bone marrow concentrate injections, especially our advanced osteoarthritis cases, whereas uh, PRP, a um, lot more studies, not just arthritis, but also looking at tendinopathy. And so it's a, it's a fairly common treatment mm-hmm. for tendinopathy. So the million-dollar question is, what does the literature say regarding the effectiveness of stem cell therapy? Yeah, well, that's a great question. We, we don't have nearly as, as much uh, data out there for, uh, for stem cells as we do for PRP, say for things like osteoarthritis or tendinopathy. Uh, what we do know is these treatments seem to be very safe. Uh, we have large case series uh, showing that and showing that a certain group of patients uh, within these series seem to have uh, significant improvements in pain that might last upwards of a year or longer. Um, what's not clear is what does that affect relative to, say, a treatment like PRP? And so those studies need to be done so we know that you know doing something that is perhaps a little bit more invasive, like a bone marrow procedure, you know, how much more benefit, if any, do you get, say, from something more simple like a PRP procedure? So that's one of the big questions in our field right now. Okay. I imagine insurance coverage is kind of similar to PRP. It is. We've seen just a, you know, smattering of coverage here and there, uh, but in general, they are not covering uh, these uh, uh, stem cell procedures. Okay. And then the final question, 
what's the typical cost for stem cell therapy? So it's typically going to be uh, more probably, uh, you know, certainly in the thousands of dollars, uh, probably ranging anywhere from, I'd say, two to $8,000, uh, depending on the, the, where you're at in the country, the type of procedure. So it's quite a bit more expensive. Yeah. So that's, I think we just need more data to know, you know, are people getting more bang for their buck with it? Since you're using it in the same kind of problems with patients, do you typically start with the PRP injection and then maybe consider stem cell there later? We do frequently. Um, in my practice, I often encourage people to try PRP. We have more data there. It's less expensive. And, you know, back to the question about, you know, multiple injections, we can do multiple PRP injections often for the same price or less than one uh, uh, bone marrow aspirate. Uh, concentrate injection. So um, I think that makes sense. Now, there is some data out there suggesting that patients with very advanced arthritis may not respond as well to PRP as some of these other studies uh, using BMAC, where there doesn't seem to be as much of a difference in the response. So sometimes in our patients with advanced arthritis, maybe they're traveling across the country, they're just going to be here for one day, um, then we may go with the uh, bone marrow concentrate injection right off the bat. Okay. We've been talking about platelet-rich plasma injections and stem cell therapy with Dr. Jacob Sellen, a sports medicine physician and assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Great discussion, Jake. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Daryl. It's been a pleasure. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.